You are Locked On Chargers, your daily podcast on the Los Angeles Chargers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is up and welcome into the Locked On Chargers podcast. I'm your host, Daniel Wade, joined as always by my co-host, David Drogmeyer. And on today's show, we're also joined by John Kegley, one of the original members of the show, the Chargers Encyclopedia. And this football season will be different and Pepsi is here to get you ready for game day, no matter how you watch this season. Pepsi is the refreshment that you need to power through game day and become a member of the League of Football Watchers. These passionate fans are the real generational talent that Pepsi fuels because Pepsi isn't made for those who play the game. It's made for those who watch it. Pepsi, made for football watching. Before we get started, guys, we are three writers who got our start at San Diego Sports Domination, San Diego's top sports blog, and I also cover the Chargers for the LA Football Network, but we've been covering the Chargers here for over five seasons doing our own Facebook Live show, Chargers Domination Live, which airs weekly, and now this is our third season as the host of the Locked on Chargers podcast, bringing you your team every day. All right, guys, well, happy Friday. I hope you've really enjoyed the last couple of episodes. I think that they're two of our best episodes of the year so far, if you haven't had a chance to check those ones out. The Daniel Popper interview, the Locked On Patriots crossover with Mike DeBate, both really good episodes and worth your time for sure. But thank you to everyone who is checking us out for the first time today. Thank you to everyone who is checking us out once again, all of our loyal fans out there. And we have a lot to get into today because the Chargers are squaring off against the hated New England Patriots this weekend. I know that Chargers fans, I mean, pretty much one of the most hated teams, especially outside the division, that you're going to find. So today we're going to get into our keys for success and talk about what the Chargers have to do to put down their bitter rival. And we'll also be getting into our bold and game predictions at the end of the show. But we're going to start with the news that the Chargers have already been linked to a certain coordinator to potentially take over as their head coach in 2021. And we'll also talk about a very lengthy injury report for the Chargers this week. So let's go ahead and get into it. Anthony Lynn is still the head coach of the Los Angeles Chargers, but there has already been one hot coordinator that has been linked to the job in 2021. This is Daniel Wade joined by David Drogmeyer with your Locked on Chargers lead story. The Chargers coaching carousel has already started to begin, even though Anthony Lynn is still in charge of the team. And one NFL reporter, Albert Breer, was asked in a Q&A section with a fan who the Chargers could be looking at as far as their next coach if they are to let go of Anthony Lynn. And what he said was one of the early names I've heard along those lines is Patriots offensive coordinator Josh McDaniels, who's developed non-first-rounders like Jimmy Garoppolo, Jacoby Brissett, and Matt Castle into starting quarterbacks. Interestingly enough, in an interview with our buddy Peter King. Herbert was asked who he was most excited to meet at the combine. He said, Coach McDaniels with the Patriots. That's a guy I've always watched, always look up to. I love their offense. So David, there's definitely some correlation there, but I still don't think this is a name that a lot of Charger fans are going to want to hear. Yeah, I don't think so either, Daniel. And it's because he has a bit of a checkered past. I mean, you look at his first stint as a head coach of the Denver Broncos. He was only 11 and 17 in parts of two seasons. And we get some great insight from stampedeblue.com on some of the reasons why it did not work out for Josh McDaniels with the Broncos. And he says, I think one of the major reasons why it was such a quick divorce between McDaniels and the Broncos is because he tried to overcompensate for his youth by flexing his power with the organization. McDaniels had full control over the roster while he didn't have the same credibility and respect as a guy like Belichick. He tried to command that respect like a dog marking his territory all over the organization. 
At this point in time, he was 33 years old and the youngest head coach in the National Football League. And so that youth kind of came back to bite him. And also coming from an organization with Bill Belichick being a head coach and the general manager and having full control over personnel decisions, that was something that McDaniels kind of got used to with his ability with the Broncos because the Broncos owner Pat Bullen at the time gave him full authority over personnel decisions. He was too young at the time to really wield that power in, in the most productive way. I think you hope to figure that after some time, now that Josh McDaniels is a little bit older and a little bit wiser of a coach, that he'd be able to come in the next time with a little more humility and be able to execute the job of head coach more effectively. Yeah, and with age comes wisdom, right? And you'd like to think he wouldn't make the same mistakes of his past, but it seems in his time in Denver, he definitely ruffled some feathers in the organization and with his players. So after backing out of the Colts job a couple of years ago, it's hard to say that's a guy that is super desirable, especially after seeing what the Patriots offense, obviously with a lack of talent has looked like over the last couple of seasons. But in other Chargers news this week, the Thursday injury report has come out and it's an extremely long list for the Chargers. That also has some pretty big names on it too, like Brian Bulaga, also Joey Bosa, as well as Uchenna Nuosu and a couple of other guys, David. And it looks like there are a couple of guys that probably are going to play and the Chargers are definitely going to need them because they're certainly thin at a couple positions. They absolutely are. I think you look on the offensive line, you talked about Brian Belaga. I think Brian Belaga's presence when he's out there is incredibly important. I think last week when he could not play and Trey Pipkins had to come in in his stead, it did not go very well. Trey Pipkins gave up a sack and seven pressures in that game. And Brian Belaga is also a big difference maker in the running game as well. I think you see a much different, much more effective, more efficient running game when Brian Belaga, the veteran, is out there versus the much younger, much less experienced Trey Pipkins. So it's very important that Brian Belaga is going to be out there on Sunday to be able to provide that professionalism in both aspects of being an offensive lineman. And then switching things over to the defensive side, the biggest name on this list is Joey Bosa. And, of course, Joey Bosa said in his press conference that he is going to be able to make it on Sunday. He is fully prepared and ready to play. I think it's just load management. They're just trying to make sure that he gets to Sunday as healthy as he possibly can. And it's very important because Uchenna Nuoso one of the primary pass rushing backups is also on the injury report and did not practice at all. So the Chargers are very, very thin behind Joey Bosa. I would expect to see Jerry Tillery rushing on the opposite side of Bosa. But nonetheless, the Chargers don't have a lot of bodies behind Joey Bosa. So if somebody gets hurt, it is going to be a very bad look on Sunday. Absolutely. Those guys are very important. I would throw Chris Harris Jr. into that mix as well. He's been a non-participant and a limited participant so far this week. But the other one I'm keeping an eye on is running back Kalen Bellage because him and Austin Eckler have been the Chargers' two most efficient running backs, and they could really use the running game this weekend against the Patriots. It would be nice to see both those guys on the field at the same time for the first time this season. But we do have two more segments to get into because we do have to get into our keys for success and talk about what the Chargers need to do with Justin Herbert and the rest of their offense to find success against the Patriots this weekend coming up right after this. All right, guys, well, it's time to get into our keys for success for the Chargers offense. And this is interesting because the Chargers offense, after playing a couple of good defenses over the past three weeks outside of the Jets, obviously, they've had two of their lowest performances as far as yards and points scored so far this year against the Bills and against the Dolphins. And now they get another AFC East team, this time with the New England Patriots. And it's really 
interesting to see how this plays out, John, because one thing that we know against Bill Belichick is that he's going to ruffle the feathers of young quarterbacks. And I think you saw him do it a little bit with Kyler Murray and rookies especially. I mean, it's definitely one of his calling cards that he is able to do that. And I think when you look at especially what they did last week against Kyler Murray, I think one of the huge keys in this game is going to be how Justin Herbert diagnoses these disguised blitzes and the Chargers making the Patriots pay for trying to blitz him, trying to pressure them, and trying to take advantage of those situations. Bill Belichick is really well known for studying game film and finding your weakness. And it is obvious that the Chargers' weakness is disguised blitzes that come at Herbert because the offensive line just can't block. Even if Herbert knows what's coming, he can't get the ball right. off in time. So I agree. Another reason Bulaga is so I, yeah, So I agree with you that it's got to be how Herbert diagnoses this stuff, how he's able to get a pass off quick. And it's got to be the game planning too. What plays are you calling to counteract these blitzes? If you know the blitz is coming, are you doing a play that's actually going to work or are you going to do the same play you always do, which is a dump off to the running back that's going to get tackled for three loss, three-yard loss? Are you going to be running the same screen play that gets tackled really quickly? Like, are you actually going to draw up a really good play that will counteract how New England blitzes? And then the offensive line just has to give Herbert time. Even if it's like a half a second more than what you did last week against the Bills, it could be enough to get Herbert a chance to get the ball off. It's, I can't even tell you how important it is that the blocking happens. New England is going to send the blitz. Yeah. Belichick knows what the weakness is. He's going to send the blitz. There's no doubt about it. If he drops back in the zone all game, I will donate my whole next paycheck. Uh, he is going to blitz you like crazy because he saw that it is the Chargers' weakness, and Herbert is the strength of this team. He knows we're not going to be able to run the ball on them that well. So it's got to be blocking for Herbert. I don't think there's any bigger key than that. Well, I don't even think that's an indictment necessarily on Herbert because I think he has the second most or most passing yards against the Blitz so far this season. He's right there with Russell Wilson, even though he's played in one less game than Russell Wilson has. So, I mean, it's not necessarily that, but as much as that was a Justin Herbert key for success, it is an offensive line key for success. And another reason, like I said, that Buago will be important in trying to identify these Blitzes, these stunts, who's coming, who's dropping into coverage. For some reason, when the Patriots drop their defensive tackles into coverage, it makes me think like, oh, that's kind of smart. But, you know, Gus Bradley does, I'm going to rip him for it. But you just feel like they're going to do those things where they're going to line up a lot of guys around the line of scrimmage. They're going to drop some. They're going to bring some. You're not always going to know who's coming. But picking up that just that extra half of a second is what allows that deep play to come open, is what allows Justin Herbert to get the ball off cleanly to set his feet and make a good, accurate throw. So I do think that is absolutely crucial for the Chargers this week. And I also think that for the Chargers, going up against such a good tackling defense, David, you're going to have to push the ball a little bit down the field. I'm not even necessarily saying, hey, you know, it has to be a bunch of deep shots, but you can't just do the thing where it's third and 10 and you're trying to run a wide receiver screen for a first down. You're going to have to trust Justin Herbert at some point to push the ball into the deep intermediate area of the field. Try to find Mike Williams there. Let him go up and get something. Try to get Keenan Allen in space over there, whoever the wide receiver is. But I just think that the Patriots are going to limit the yards after the catch a lot in this game. So I think they're going to have to trust Herbert to do a little bit more than they have in those situations in a couple last couple games. And they should. They should allow him to throw the football in this one. I mean, the Patriots are susceptible to the pass. I mean, they're allowing 8.3 yards per attempt, which is last in the league. 
and also allowing 69% completion percentage, which is 28th in the league. And they also don't get after the quarterback very well. They only have 15 sacks on the season, which that is just not not going to get it done. So Justin Herbert should be pretty comfortable in this one, but I would like to get him comfortable and get him in the rhythm early. Get him some short passes, get him you know some screen plays, some easy throws, get his confidence going, and then let it let him open it up. And also like to see him target the tight ends. That was one, one of the things that Mike DeBeto locked on Patriots was very concerned about, and that's because they've had a couple of tight ends that had some decent success against them. Mark Andrews went 7 for 61. George Kittle had 5 for 55. So Hunter Henry should have some opportunities over the middle of the football field when J.C. Jackson and Stephon Gilmore are on the outsides trying to lock down Mike Williams and Keenan Allen. Don't forget about Hunter Henry over the middle. And I'd also like to say you need to get first downs in this game. Your defense is going to be going up against a team that loves to run the ball, and you're pretty bad against the run defensively, which means your defense is probably going to be getting tired. You not have a lot of opportunities. You need to get first downs to help keep your defense fresh. If those guys are getting tired because you're going three and out constantly, it's going to be a long day for the Chargers. So first downs have to be key. And I think a route that you could probably try using in this game is to have like a wide receiver that's in the slot kind of run like a corner route or even just a, a slant route towards the sideline and let Herbert hit that over-the-shoulder throw. I've seen a lot of those kind of throws be open for for the Patriots. But a lot of quarterbacks haven't hit it. I think Herbert is capable of hitting that over-the-shoulder corner route. I definitely think he is. And I think another part of that, John, is you know not just getting first downs because obviously we've talked about it before when the Chargers get the first first down or a couple of first downs it's almost always leading to points right but you have to be able to convert on third downs which is something they were absolutely awful at three out of 16 on third down last week I know early in the fourth quarter a graphic popped up the Chargers were at their eighth third down of third or eight third and eight or longer so, I mean, down in distance, again, in this game is going to be gigantic. Not putting Justin Herbert in a third and 12 situation against Bill Belichick, I mean, has to be way up there on the list of things the Chargers have to do well. And the other part of that, David, is red zone opportunities. If you don't cash in on free points against this team, if you don't convert on third downs, please, God, I mean, we shouldn't have to say this, but please don't run up the middle on any third and short situations, fourth and short situations. If you go back to last week and look at the Cardinals, what they were able to do as far as a goal line stand against them on fourth down, I mean, don't do that. But when you get the chance to put points on the board, if you get in the red zone, you have to convert, which is something the Chargers have been lacking in after starting off strong earlier in the year. You absolutely have to get into the red zone, and you have to capitalize on every single one of those opportunities. you got to score touchdowns. I mean, it's something the Chargers have have – been very bad at the last couple of games and you've seen the results two of their you know worst games of the season so it's just it's something that has to be improved and one thing that can help with that and help them stay on the football field is to run the ball because the Patriots are giving up 125 yards per game as well to help you stay balanced and help you keep that offense off the field keep your defense fresh and kind of control the clock a little bit and dictate your offense I mean, mix in your passes for sure. I mean, this, there should be plenty of opportunities for Herbert to have a big game in this one, but it would be good for them to stay balanced in this game and try to stay on the field a little bit more. Yeah, and it's hard to even say the running game just because it's like, you know, we keep bringing it up and the Chargers keep continuing to fail us as far as being able to be creative in the running game. And when's the last time we saw them actually hand off a jet sweep? Right, you know, obviously it doesn't even have to be Joe Reed. It can be or a pitch, yeah, or or, I mean, or a stretch or something like yeah, that. Yeah, anything to the outside. Right, they're not 
doing those plays very often. It's almost always right up the middle, and it's hard to really count on that as part of the game plan as well. But if it's not working, don't you know bash your head in the wall. I say it every week. Like still throw on first downs. Try to soften things up with the pass. Try to get Justin Herbert in situations where he's not waiting till third and twelve to throw third and twelve to throw the ball. But John, we don't really have a special teams keys for success, but we'll do it in this part of the segment. And my other thing is just for the Chargers, don't give the Patriots any extra chances. And you only have to look back to last week when every single point that the Cardinals scored were either from a turnover or a special team's mistake. They had a 53-yard kickoff return. They had an 82-yard punt return touchdown that was called back on a BS blindside block call. And the other field goal was set up by a missed field goal by the Cardinals. So every single time the Cardinals made a mistake, the Patriots put points up on the board. So you cannot give this team extra chances because they will take advantage of it. Well, and in 2014, when the Chargers played the Patriots, you had a pretty decent chance at beating them. You were doing pretty good defensively. You had a 14-13 lead almost the whole game, but then the whole game changed when Donald Brown allowed the Patriots to block Mike Cyphers' punt. Mike Cyphers got hurt, and the whole game changed after that, and the Patriots ended up winning the game 23-14. It's shown in Chargers history. You mess up, you have the Patriots a second chance. I mean, I'm not going to mention... Another game that has a second chance in it, but uh, yeah, it's shown. If yeah. you give the Patriots a second chance, they'll make you pay, especially Bill Belichick. If he knows a little, a little something that he could have done better the last drive and the next thing you know he has the ball back because you allowed him to block a punt, you muffed a punt, you threw an interception, you fumbled the ball, whatever it was, he's going to hit you with it right away. And it's not even the most embarrassing play against the Patriots on special teams, John, because... Travis Benjamin muffs a punt, picks the punt up, runs back into his own end zone, and gets a safety. So you just had to do it. Dude. I mean, if we're talking about, if we're on the subject of play. special teams, I'd rather hear. That I, I mean, play. I mean, obviously it was a less important game, uh, but I mean, if you want to talk about bad special teams against the Patriots, that's the number one thing because Travis Benjamin. What the hell are you doing? <laughs> but we do have to flip it over to the defensive side of the ball and get into some predictions. So Chargers aren't going up against a very high-powered New England Patriots offense, but you know they're going to have a good game plan, and they do one thing very well that you don't do very well against. So we're going to get into that coming up right after this. All right, guys, well, it's time to get into the rest of our keys for success and our bold and game predictions at the end of the show. I wonder if any of us are picking the Chargers this week. I'm not leaning in either direction as of right now, but I'm, I'm wondering what you guys are thinking. We have not talked about this, but let's get into our keys for success for the Chargers defense. And I'm going to start right now because, I mean, I know there's something all three of us you know, have on the list, and that is try to slow down the Patriots running game because the Patriots run the ball very well. They have one of the better running quarterbacks in Cam Newton, who's not as agile as he used to be, but he's still a load to take on. So you're definitely not going to want to tackle him over and over again. He's a hard guy to bring down in the running game. And they also have a guy in Damian Harris that has played pretty well. And I think we all know that if you one key for success can't just be stop the run because it's hard to say that the Chargers have much of a chance to completely stop the running game by any means. But when you look at the Patriots' success, it is directly correlated with their success in the running game. This is the totals from them this season in wins. 217, 250, 159, 173, and 110. They're averaging 182 yards per game rushing in their wins in 123 games per 
and a 20 and 123 yards per game in losses so far this season. So David, one of the things that I really just need to see, I know that the running game will probably be effective for the Patriots offense, but there's a couple of things. First, I want to see some chances getting taken. That is shooting a gap, trying to cause maybe a four-yard loss on one of the sweet plays or toss plays that they're going to run. I mean, getting really aggressive in those situations and trying to set them up behind the chains, set them up in like a second and 14 situation. And the other thing is, is just don't let anything turn into a really, really long run. I know it's going to be, you know, five and six yards at a time at a lot of points in this game probably, but the big runs are the backbreakers. Yeah, definitely. And this is a game where it kind of hurts to see that Denzel Perriman's been on the injury report because whenever you have a guy that you want to look at to try to shoot a gap, Denzel Perriman's that guy. He's the guy that's trying to get in there, and he's he's proven that he's been able to do that throughout his career. So it would be great to see if he's able to get healthy for this one because he does that exceptionally well. And, yes, of course, we all know that stopping the run for the Patriots is going to be the number one priority. And I don't know if you're going to be able to. I mean, this team – averages 150 rushing yards a game they are completely committed to running the football but you you know you said taking those chances and you got to take those chances in an effort to make them make cam newton throw the football because this year he has not been great i mean he's coming off a game where he had 84 yards passing two two interceptions and a 23.6 quarterback rating i mean cam newton right now has four passing touchdowns and nine interceptions and only a 79 Point eight rating so if you want to win this game you want to make them throw the football as many times as possible because if that happens you're going to have plenty of opportunities to pick the ball off well it's yeah. really it's really not just having Kevin throw the ball because you do need to make him throw the ball to win this game but you got to hit him you got to hit him hard and get in his head even a little yeah. bit of trash talk too. like make sure you're rubbing it in his face a little bit because he is not a mentally stable guy if you get into his emotions you will see it. He he will gladly lay into your game that you're playing with his mind. He's not someone that's really mentally strong. So if you can trash talk him a little bit, start hitting him pretty hard. Even if like even if you want to take, I'll even take one. I'll take one roughing the passer penalty in the first quarter just because it will get in his head a little bit. When I think you've seen at times, I'm not going to say he's not mentally stable. I mean, I think that you can definitely get under his skin, but I think he wears his emotions on his sleeve. And there's been a lot of games in the past where you can tell by his body language, if he starts getting down, you can tell, you know, almost right away. And it hasn't happened as much for the Patriots. He's not doing it as animated as we've seen him do it in the past, but I definitely think you can get under his skin. You can rattle him. He's not very I'm sure Bill Belichick is to blame yeah. for a little bit of that. Yeah. But he's also not very elusive in the pocket, too, which is, you know, watching the tape this year, it's kind of crazy to think about just because, I mean, once upon a time, he was such a special athlete that he could just get out and run so quickly. He could just truck stick you. He could run around you. And he's probably lost a little bit of that because of the injuries he's sustained over the years. And that's, you know, of course, that's going to happen when you play that style. But, hey, he'll still keep it on the quarterback keeper. If you can stop Cam Newton from rushing for a lot in this game. I mean, with Damian Harris, it's not going to be the total solution, but it does give you a much better chance, I think. But, John, is there anything the Chargers can do to like try to give themselves the best chance against a running attack that we know will probably be successful against the Chargers? Well, I think you could show up to game day not wearing Cam Newton's uniform or a game day outfit. Probably that could be a start. Um, oh, God. <laughs> But I, you got to hit them early. I think you got to sell out on the run, really. I think the key to make a Cam Newton beat you with the pass 
until he becomes successful with it, I say sell out on the run. Do whatever you can. And disguise blitz. If you watch game film and you know a option play is about to happen, send everything out on it. Make them beat you in the air. If they beat you with a halfback pass, so be it. I mean, how many of those are they probably going to run in the game? I think you got to really just sell out on it. Go all out. You have nothing to lose. <laughs> You've basically tried to play conservative all year, and it hasn't really worked for you that well. If you go all out, let's see what happens. All out blitz. And if they do an option play, which they love doing that read option, or they love taking Cam Newton to run outside. Attack the match point. <laughs> they take Newton outside, and they just do that little flip, that flip pass option play. Hit Newton. Just hit him. Because it's it's legal as long as it's not like five seconds later. Agreed, Hit him regardless. Just, yeah. yeah, just absolutely destroy him every time he does that. Make him feel a little bit scared. And like I said, it gets into his head. And when it comes to like James White, those kind of guys, even Rex Burkhead, keep an eye on the running back. If it's a pass play, go after the running back. It's more likely going to be a pass to the running back. Yeah, and I think that's why tackling is going to be so huge in this game because they're going to try to get some yards after the catch they're going to try to dump it off and you know try to manufacture first downs in that way and i think that that's something that if you're not tackling well that's what turns you know a four or five yard gain into like a 20 yard gain i mean we don't have to even talk about what james white did against them in this playoffs i mean sony michelle gets all the credit because he went you know over 100 yards rushing and three touchdowns but james white had like 14 catches in that game and it worked almost every time for them but my other thing is, David, is obviously when you look at the Chargers' weakness, the deep pass has been something that's been getting them nonstop. And Cam Newton, you know, like we talked about before the show, every once in a while he'll put one on the money, and it looks like that great deep ball we've seen from him in the past. So my biggest thing is for the Chargers, make him earn it. You know, if he makes a perfect throw or something like that, that's going to happen. But do not pass interfere. Get your head around. Attack the catch point. Make them earn those deep plays if they're going to try to test you there. Don't give them any freebies. And that also just goes along with cutting down those defensive penalties that plagued the Chargers last week. Yeah, the, the Chargers in this game, are coming into this game, have more penalties on average per game than the Patriots. And it's not even close, honestly. The Patriots on the are averages. always one of the best in that sense, too. No, of course. I mean, obviously look at who their head coach is. I mean, Bill Belichick is obviously one of the best coaches of all time. I mean, I don't think anybody can dispute that. But one of my keys, you know, real quick as we, you know, go to towards these predictions is, you know, look out for those trick plays. I mean, watching the tape on on the Patriots, I mean, they like to bust it out. And it seems like every time they do, it's successful. So they're going to try to mix that in. So don't be surprised if they try to do it again against the Chargers on Sunday. Discipline, discipline, discipline. Something that this Chargers defense has not excelled at and something that they've been taking advantage of a few times, a lot of times so far this season. So I think it's pretty clear what the Chargers are going to have to do um, to be competitive in this game, to win this game. But let's get into our predictions and say what we think is going to happen, not what they need to do because, you know, so many times they've let us down in that department. So let's get to our bold predictions first. I'll save the crazier one for the later one. David, you're first on the bowl predictions this week. All right. Well, I thought that Justin Herbert was going to be able to have a big day, and that reflects in my bold prediction. I think he is going to have a monster day. I'm going 350 passing, 50 rushing. He's going to have 400 yards of total offense in this game. Damn. I I wish I felt that way 
with the Chargers offensive line, with Bill Belichick being the coach, like you're not going to see a bigger coaching disadvantage probably this year uh, as far as you know Anthony Lynn going up against Bill Belichick. So I'm a little scared that Herbert could have another down game going up against someone who's made a living doing that to rookie Andy Young quarterback. So that scares me a little bit. John, where are you going with this one? I'll go turnover-wise. I'll say the Chargers managed to get four turnovers out of this game. I'll, see, I'll even say one's returned for a touchdown. Damn. Maybe John is picking the Chargers to win this game. Four turnovers. I mean, hey, that's another thing. Capitalize off the turnovers, please. I mean, you had three last week. You turned it into three points. Three points Be is not enough. Better. It's just not good enough. So, I, I love the turnovers. I love Justin Herbert. I'm going to go with Keenan Allen, who has a big matchup this week with Stephon Gilmore. We heard Mike DeBate talk about it yesterday and talk about the fact that he thinks that Gilmore might shadow Keenan Allen, but you know maybe it's J.C. Jackson, maybe it's somebody else. But we saw the Chargers against the Bills. The Bills took away Keenan Allen to some extent. Bill Belichick is known for taking someone away. I would guess that player is going to be Keenan Allen this week. I'm going to say that Keenan Allen, in spite of that, is still going to go off. I still think he's going to have nine catches for 115 yards and tie his career high in touchdowns, getting his eighth receiving touchdown of the season. So obviously a tough matchup for him, especially if Gilmore's on him a lot, but I'm going to say he fights through it and has a really big game. So let's go to our predictions. I don't know if I want to hear John's last because now I'm intrigued. David, I know that you were, you know, betting against the Chargers for a little bit. You went back with the Jets because you just could not pick them to lose that game. And then last week, you did think the Chargers were going to win last week against the Bills. So where are you going this week with a team in the Patriots that haven't been good, but obviously have always been a tough matchup for the Chargers? Yeah, well, Daniel, I, I mean, for people who have listened to this show for, you know, however long we've been doing this, three years plus, I've picked with my heart a lot. I mean, there, that's, there's no doubt about that. I, obviously, I'm a fan first and foremost, but I'm also an analyst. And, you know, looking at this game, the Patriots run the ball extremely well. The, the Chargers just can't stop the run. So, And in this one, as much as I'd love to pick the Chargers to win, I just can't. And it's because I've been scoring too much. I, I obviously still hope they win, but I just don't see it. I think it's going to be close, but I think the Patriots going to squeak this one out. It's 24-21, Pats. And the Chargers are early favorites. I wouldn't touch them in any bet with a 10-foot pole uh, just because I don't trust them in close games. And I think this could be a close game. And I think John might pick the Chargers. So maybe we can end on a positive note here. I know the history, at least recent history, for them against the Patriots is not going to be good. So maybe not. But I'm going to say that the Chargers probably can't find a way to get this one done. I think Justin Herbert will struggle a little bit, and I think that the Chargers will struggle offensively as well. And then defensively, I think they'll be okay, but I still have them going down to the Patriots. I'm going to say the final score is Patriots 24, Chargers 21, just because I simply can't trust them in late-game situations, and I feel like a lot of us probably feel the same way. John, you're our only hope. Where are you going? Well, with the all-time series notes, the Patriots lead the series 25-15-2. A lot of people are going to say that has a lot to do with the the Chargers being 2-9 and all-time against Tom Brady when he was with the Patriots. Yuck. But um, before Tom Brady, the Chargers had lost nine straight to the Patriots, and then Brady's first start was the tenth straight loss over a span that lasted from 73 to 2001. <laughs> 
So were they only really good like at the very beginning of that series? Then they must have been, right? I mean, uh, I mean, if they were, if that was was the tenth one, and they have fifteen wins, I mean, that means fourteen of them came before that ten-game winning streak, right, or losing streak, I should say. I mean, not really. It was a lot. It was really like back and forth if you really look at it, because I think at the beginning they were the Chargers at one point led the series like maybe like nine, eight, and one. And then they went on a winning streak to make it like thirteen eight or thirteen uh yeah thirteen eight and two, and then that's when that ten game losing streak happened. So like yeah. it wasn't really a dominant showing. They had like one good stretch of that, but it's mostly been the Patriots, especially recently. But you cannot talk about the all time series without mentioning the Chargers' one championship in their history, and that is the nineteen sixty three AFL championship against the Boston Patriots in a fifty one to ten win. Keith Lincoln and we the boys that just ass, absolutely baby. destroyed them. <laughs> <laughs> Take that, Bill. And I'm pretty sure they wore the powder blues that day, and the Chargers are 2-1 and one all time wearing the powder blues against the Patriots, minus the 2014 game I mentioned earlier. That was the one powder blue loss, and they're mm. wearing the powder blues this week. But I don't think the Chargers are winning this week. I feel oh. I feel it goes back to the key that you mentioned. I think there might be a lot of turnovers in this game for the Chargers, but I just don't think they're able to capitalize on them. I don't trust the offensive line to block, and I don't trust us to tackle their running game very well. I'm going Patriots 26, Chargers 17. I think it's the Chargers keep the the defense keeps the team in the game with some field goals, like maybe four field goals for the Patriots. But in the end, I just don't think the Chargers can capitalize offensively. And I mean, who knows how many opportunities they're going to have? But they score only 14 points, and they get a defensive touchdown and four turnovers. That's going to really, really disgust me. But Hopefully the Chargers can bring down the Patriots because I don't think there's going to be many better feelings for the rest of the season than a win against the Patriots would give us, right? I mean, I don't know if there's anyone on the schedule, you know, outside of the division guys, maybe that Charger fans want the Chargers to beat more than the Patriots. So hopefully they can. I don't feel like it's the same without Brady. I feel like you want to win against Brady. That's the guy that's been hurting. Oh, I'll take it. I'll take it. No, I'll, I'll take it. Brady or not. I mean, it would have been nice to beat Brady too, but the Patriots, I mean, Chargers, Patriots, I'll just always hate the Patriots. That's one of my first terrible sports moments was that first Patriots game that we refused to talk about. So I'll take it any way I can get it. And the Chargers hopefully can pull it off and, you know, make us all seem dumb come Monday when we get back on the show to recap the game. But that is going to do it for today's show. We'll be back with you guys on Monday to break down all the biggest plays from this game. But until then, make sure to follow us on Twitter at LockedOnLAC and to like the Facebook page Locked On Chargers as well as subscribing to us on Apple Podcasts or giving us a follow on Spotify. That's always the fastest and easiest way to get the show. If you guys want to call into the voicemail line, the number is 323-524-7924 and we try to get every Chargers voicemail on the show. But we'll be back with you guys on Monday. Hopefully the Chargers can pull this thing off this weekend. But until then, take it easy and go Bolts.